outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to Wired to Hunt's Rut Fresh Radio, bringing you the latest reports from the Whitetail Woods. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel for the stand, saddle, or blind. First Light. Go farther, stay longer. And now, your hosts, KC Smith and Tyler Jones. This is Rut Fresh. I'm your host, Tyler Jones. And this week, as hunters are leaving the woods, those of you that stay the course will find hope in these reports, as cold weather seems to be the catalyst for big buck daylight movement. It's the late season, y'all, and it's going to be great. This is Rut Fresh. Let's go. This is Rut Fresh Radio brought to you by First Light. Hey, we are in different spots right now, KC, but we're both in Texas, and we are, what, seven, eight hours apart from each other, and we're still both in Texas. Isn't that wild how big this place is? It is insane, and, and honestly, I didn't even – we're not only about half a state apart right now, to tell you the truth. Yeah, I guarantee you there's – I mean, there's further distances to go than this. For sure. So, That's what people don't understand is we could do Texas about near every week if we wanted, and it would be like, you know, not too many people interested, but it would for sure cover different ruts and different uh, dynamics within oh, yeah. the herds, you know. It's like, uh, you know, what's the difference in doing – uh, Delaware and New Hampshire, you know, it's like, well, those are the same place. It's like, it's like interviewing somebody from Greenville and then interviewing somebody from Texarkana, you know, it's yeah. like, well, that's the same place. Yeah. Or it's not. it'd be like it's, interviewing somebody from Ohio and somebody from Michigan, you know? Yeah, man. Same I mean, place. Same, same place. If you can get cheese curds there, it's the same place. Right? <laughs> Speaking of cheese, man, uh, you're going to be eating some of that cojita pretty soon. Uh, yeah, I'm about to try some, you know, we're down here in the, in the land of, of many tequeras and, uh, tequeras muchos, as you'd say. Um, so we're going to do the tour. You know, one of the things that we do down here is, um, we come down here to eat Mexican food and then we deer hunt in the morning and the evening while we're here. So it works really well. Uh, food tour, man. 
Yeah, that's it. It's kind of like going to New Orleans, man. You just go down there for the food and, you know, randomly there's things like duck hunting and other things you can do while you're down there. That's true. That's true. Or step over people that are just passed down on the curb, you know, like it's a wild thing. Yeah, that was weird, wasn't it? Yeah, I don't don't really want to go to there. But, um, you know, there are some nice places in this world you can get away from folks and find some deer. And Tyler, just to be reflective, this isn't the last episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thankfully. But it's, we're getting towards the end. Thankfully. Right? Like, yep. We got one more to do I, I, after this. I but, wish there was hundreds more to do, you know. But yeah, I know, man. There are only so Golly. many ta- weeks in the year, you know. I know it, man. I know it. If you're listening and you live in a unique state and you want to do an interview on the 26th of December, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because it's going to be a tough day to get some reports. But we're going to do our best to get good reports around the country for everybody, and we've done it this week. Um, but, man, if you want a Mexican food report, I can probably give you that. Yeah, what are you, you uh, from me. what are you fixing to get there for lunch? Well, I think this is a place that's known for its burritos. Mm. So I feel as if it's going to be a little bit, you know, Tex-Mex, Tex-Mex yeah. But if I had to imagine, I'm going to get an El Pastor, which uh, is roasted pork. For the old they all don't know, and it's pork that's flavored with uh, more chili powder than you can handle. Yeah, it's like chili's arbolas <laughs> or something like that. You know, it's rehydrated chilies and pineapple, which is really really good. And then I'm probably going to eat some pico de gallo with that and some sour cream, which I know makes you me say gallo is yellow. Yeah, I see him up there in the sky. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I might wash it down with a big old glass Coke if I get the chance. Dude, that's exactly what I ate yesterday, except for old Gorditas didn't really offer the pineapple um, upsell there, which I really am sad about. But it is a good <laughs> it is a good uh, thing to have. But the, the uh, Mexican Coke, you know, there's a lot of people probably listening that don't understand the difference in a Coke and a Mexican Coke. And there's a difference. Yeah, well, the main difference is a Mexican Coke is made with cane sugar. It ain't made with uh, high fructose corn syrup. So you know what? It's, it's better. Uh, yeah, and you know what diet cokes are made from in Mexico? Oh, same thing. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's called a, I think it's called Coke Light. Coke Light. Yeah. So they just put less no, sugar in it. I got one of those in here. That sounds pretty good. Oh, they're less tasty. Sugar. Yeah. I bet, dude. That sounds real good. Yeah, I don't know about dude. That. Hey, some cultures yeah. don't accept all this high fructose stuff, man. Good. Red dyes, you know. I know Red 40 is one of your favorite ingredients, but, you know. I stopped at 39. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're talking about Texas having diverse ruts. Uh, Didn't you see some rut action in East Texas yourself this week? Dude, like I said, we're seven-something hours apart probably, and uh, I was in a rut fest yesterday morning, actually. I was uh, was hanging out in the swamplands of East Texas. We were hunting hogs. I was – uh, I was hunting hogs. Eric was filming, and we uh, we make a loop down into the wind, come back up into the wind, and we're we're gonna work through these greenbrier thickets. Uh, it's kind of got a, the understory under the trees. It's fairly open. There's like some taller grass sections and stuff, and and but there's greenbrier thickets. These pigs like to bed up in. So in the morning, about I don't know what time it was, probably eight thirty. We're coming back through these greenbrier thickets, and I come around the edge of one, and I see it. What looks like a deer you know, 80 yards and sure enough starts moving. So we chill 
And long story short, we were in a 25-minute just snorting and grunting, snort wheezing and grunting and, and running rut fest with two bucks and about four does. And one of the does, I guess the six-month-old, you know, fawn was, was uh, seemed to be in heat. And, dude, I had like a, a nice 10-point. I'm talking like probably, you know, here's the thing, is probably like maybe mid-130s type of 10-point. But, you know, if you look at it respective to its body, it's a sizable deer, you know. Yeah, where um, we live, that's a good-sized deer. I mean, yeah. that thing weighs – 170 pounds maybe max i don't think it weighs that because i think this deer might not be four um oh really yeah and so i mean he's i mean he's 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 three but he's i don't know if he's four for sure and he's just rutting like crazy dude just chasing these things like i said snort wheezing it was cool we stayed there like i said for 25 minutes and he and he ran through a couple times had him at 49 broadside with a bow in my hand and the landowner uh, hasn't given us permission to deer hunt, so uh, I respectfully passed on him. <laughs> uh, I actually never even considered it, you know, because uh, this is a good friend of mine, and I don't want to uh, – I would never do that if he didn't want me to at all. So well, you should have drew on him just to see if you could do it, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what you do on TV, <laughs> don't you? You know? You draw on him, point at him, and even though you don't have the intention of killing that thing, if your bow goes off, it kills him. So. <laughs> That's it. You know, a good friend of ours, uh, Chris Webb, he uh, thought he just wanted to draw back on a buck this year to see if he could do it, and he drew back, and he's like, you know what? I'm yeah. just going to shoot. <laughs> yeah. That's funny how that happens. So. Yeah, you know, killers kill, so you don't want to put yourself in that situation. No, that's a, that's a flirting with temptation is not a good thing, you know. So That's it, man. That's but it. That's it. it well, it cool. sounds like you saw some exciting stuff this week. Who else do we get to hear from this week? Well, um, there's a guy that's going to be a breed aid in that truck with you, um, old Greg. And he uh, he gave me the report from y'all's neck of the woods this week, so you'll be hearing that. Yeah. Um, Micah Morgan, brother of Levi, if uh, you guys know Levi Morgan, he's a fairly popular bow hunter and bow shooter. Micah was in Mississippi with Levi, I think. Micah is the one that uh, throws it down on the footage most of the time. That's right. He's usually videoing, but I think he gets about a week a year to hunt, and he killed him a good buck in Mississippi and has a report for us there. Um, we talked to Mark Haslam earlier this year from South Carolina, got a really unique property and a unique area for deer hunting. Apparently there's lots of deer in that neck of the, his neck of the woods and, uh, kind of a different rut. So we get to hear from him out in South Carolina. And then another guy we've heard from this year, different state, Anthony Warren in Kentucky. Um, he's been hunting the late season stuff there, which he actually kind of likes, I think, especially when he gets a little cooler weather he likes that stuff so we'll get to hear from those guys and then hopefully next week we get a big buck down report from you guys man i would love to bring it i've got greg latham he's actually with the element and uh he's in texas greg you have hunted texas the last couple of weeks and you've been i don't know hunting places that are seven hours from each other so it's a big state there's a lot going on but let's talk about what you've been seeing recently in the deer hunting woods yeah um i uh ended up killing a buck in the hill country a couple weeks ago and um he was on the cruise uh caught him on a bunch of trail cameras and um actually saw him that day before i killed him but uh he was 
seemed like he was running laps around the property. Mm-hmm. And this was on, uh, what, November 24th? Mm-hmm. So, like, right about Thanksgiving, I mean, he was he was cruising hard. Gotcha. So, what I mean, like recently, what's been going on in the in the woods when you've been hunting Texas? Now, recently, down in uh, South Texas, different rut dates, but uh, here the last couple of days, it's been they've been fired up. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen, I've seen a bunch of young bucks cruising in uh, right behind does, but uh, this morning it seemed like uh, seemed like the big seemed like the big bucks were on their feet cruising mm-hmm. so doing seeing some cruising uh i know you and i talked yep. off air a little bit that seemed like uh there may be and i think kc was talking to me about some stuff that might be seeing some lockdown type stuff happening too yeah me and casey are hunting uh pretty close together uh this morning and uh we were both on lockdown bucks the whole time uh, i saw probably three bucks over three and a half years old uh just you know you could tell they were uh doing the stare they're uh on lockdown and uh things are starting to get fired up down to south texas what do you uh what do you focus on when you're like i'm gonna go in there this morning to see if there's some bucks around there i'm mostly just trying to you know ease my way in and get on a high point where i can see a long distance mm-hmm. and i'm just looking for when the sun comes up, they, they really light up, but I'm just looking for, you'll see satellite bucks cruising around and that usually points in the right direction where, where you need to be. So just kind of following the satellite bucks until you get into a rut fest or some sort of lockdown situation. Yeah, that's, that's the basic idea of what I've been trying to do. Gotcha. Is there, is there any, are they feeding on anything? Are they, are you able to kind of see if there's a bed to feed pattern at all, or is it just a lot of just brush country cruising type stuff? It seems to be a lot of brush country cruising. I mean, it seems like they pretty much feed wherever. Like it's, uh, there's tons of diverse plants and stuff to eat. So they're, they could be anywhere and they're everywhere. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, do the does seem receptive yet? Would you say that like there there's quite a bit of breeding going on, or are we still are these bucks still waiting for the for the majority of the does to be receptive? If you had to guess, I feel like it's it's right on the cusp. It it, it hasn't happened yet, but like the next two to three days, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. Gotcha. Okay. So in that next two to three days, are you still gonna focus on? getting up high and seeing deer or would you change your tactics at all? And what do you think the deer will do as things change a little bit? Uh, It's, I think uh, the big bucks seem to push the does off into like weird spots that uh, other bucks can't get downwind of them. Mm -hmm. And so I I feel like getting up, uh, you know, say maybe it's a cliff or just a, some kind of, thicket that a a buck will push a doe up in getting in an area like that could really be beneficial yeah would you uh would you say a highway or a road would be a place that that would happen too maybe yeah highway road any kind of just place where a deer is not going to be a big buck might push a doe up 
uh, up against something like that. Gotcha. So checking out the spots that are kind of unsuspecting. Um, so if you had to put a number on it, one to ten, what do you think buck movement will be like after, you know, basically, I don't know, the 20th or so? I'd say where we're hunting right now, it's the next the next week or so, I'd give it an eight. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, it's it's about to pop off down here. Yeah, yeah. So, in your mind, is a 10, is that, is it, does a 10 happen every year, or is a 10 the best of all time? I think a 10 might be best of all time. A 9 happens every year, I think. Okay, I got you. See, when I think about it, I consider a 10 is scale of one to 10 is like the best day of the year. So I always, I'm interested in how people perceive that. So anyway, I appreciate the report, Greg. I hope you get a Mondo. Uh, for those who are interested, Greg actually hunted with, uh, you guys know him as Mark Kenyon, um, on a hunt last year on the buck truck series and killed a buck on that video. You can see it on the meat eater channel. So check it out. Thanks a bunch, Greg. All right. No problem. All right, now I've got Michael Morgan on the phone. He's uh, the brother of Levi, as uh, we talked about earlier off the air. Micah, what's been going on, man? Oh, not much. Just uh, been chasing whitetails since uh, September. Yeah. <laughs> Just not I, starting to slow down a little bit. I know the feeling, man. It's uh, it's good to be home at the end of the year for sure, man, this time of year especially. Absolutely, yeah. Well, Take any minute I can get. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So you've been in Mississippi recently. And it looked like he had some success. I guess you get to get in front of the camera sometimes, or is that was there no cameras running? Uh, yeah, I did. We uh, I get about maybe a week, two weeks out of the year to hunt for myself, um, and that was one of them. And yeah, we got it all on film, so it was a heck of a week for sure. Cool, man. That's awesome. What what was the what was the deer herd doing where you're at? Um, it was pretty peak rut down where we were at that time of year um bucks were chasing little bucks were you know surrounding the buck with the does trying to get in on them running them off just pretty much your peak rut activity yeah that's cool so with the buck you shot was he actually chasing or what was he doing no he actually um i'm assuming he had just left the doe because we had pictures of him about five days before i seen him and he was with a doe and we he completely disappeared so we assumed he would lock down somewhere and when i seen him he was actually by himself so he he was off his doe cruising probably for another one gotcha were you any chance you were hunting a like an ag field or a food plot um i wasn't i was actually in the in the hardwoods um, and, and down there kind of where we hunt, you're hunting structure and like the ridge might only be five feet tall, mm-hmm. but that's what they're on. They're cruising that ridge, you know, going from thicket to thicket. So I was kind of in between, I was on the edge of a field, probably 150 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and that buck was just cruising. He had came out of one thicket and I saw him for maybe 10 seconds he was headed for another ticket and i wound up having to grunt him from about 100 yards all the way in so that's cool man he was cruising pretty heavy yeah yeah so those those ridges are just i guess you're you're hunting in pretty low land country i'm guessing is that right yeah and so those yeah, ridges right just, on the Mississippi. okay and those 
I'm guessing, you know, in my experience at least, those ridges are kind of where some underbrush will grow because it doesn't flood as often as the other stuff, I'm guessing, right? So that's yeah. why there's thickets yeah. there? Okay. So are there oak trees in the area? There are oak trees, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> normally, like earlier in the season, we that's what we're hunting around is oak trees and then any kind of persimmon trees. But this time of year, they're not very interested in food, so you're really just hunting structure. I got you. Okay, so if if things were if you were hunting next week, would, would things change? Would you still stay on the ridges? Do you think it's going to be still pretty rut heavy, or what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean it. It is kind of hard to say. Um, now we've hunted down there for the last I'd say six years, and for probably the first three weeks of November or of December, it's pretty rut heavy. I mean they're they're rutting, doing their thing up until really around Christmas to New Year's. Mm-hmm. And even even after New Year's, there's still a few does in heat, and they're still chasing. So I would probably be doing the same thing next week if I was if I was hunting. Gotcha. Did you do any calling this past week? I did a little bit. Um, normally, when I would see one and he was going the opposite way, that's when I would call. It's really hard to do any kind of blind calling down there just because it's so thick. They can get in behind you, and mm-hmm. most of the time, those big mature ones, that's what they're doing. They're coming downwind of you. Sure, so, sure. Did a, did a little bit, though. I did do a little bit. If it got slow, mm-hmm. <laughs> I might hit the horns together, but it's hard. not a whole lot. It's hard not to, yeah. when you're sitting there, just like, man, I kind of want to make something happen right now. <laughs> yeah, you know there's one close, just ain't seeing them but yeah so yeah, would you do a whole whole lot would you still continue in the next week rattling and and, and would you do any blind calling at all or does, does it change or is it pretty much the same tactics um i honestly i will do blind calling if i can back myself up to the mississippi river and have mm-hmm. that wind blowing over where they can't get downwind of me mm-hmm. or if i'm hunting a spot where it's open downwind where I can see them coming Mm -hmm. and I can potentially, if they're trying to circle downwind, you can get a little more aggressive and potentially turn them before they get downwind. But sure. I got you. um, Yeah. That's probably what I would do. Okay. So, um, in the next week, if you had to put a number on the buck movement on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate it? In the next week, I would, probably put it up to a seven or eight um, all right and that's that's going off of where we hunt down there it, it's normally rolling pretty good still so mm-hmm. okay yeah. awesome man well um i appreciate the report dude and i hope you guys have a, a blessed christmas and a, a good rest of your season man it's it's been good fun fun watching you guys and it looks like you've had a great season you and levi both absolutely man well i appreciate the time and uh i hope you guys have a blessed christmas as well Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And as often is the case, those guys were on to something because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via 
convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised, grass-fed, and finished cattle. Heart and Soil's unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in, ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean, convenient, taste-free capsule. Find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Lately, I've been telling you guys about land.com, the site that can help you find that little patch of ground to call your own where you can do all the hunting, fishing, and hanging out with family you want. Land could be a great investment. Getting your own piece of land is something that can both generate income over time and also generate a lot of memories for generations to come. It's an investment you get to use and enjoy and take care of while it works for you. And any good investor will tell you to start investing sooner than later. Well, they've got hundreds of thousands of rural listings from all across America. Land.com can help you find properties for hunting, fishing, a lake house, a hobby farm, or if you just want to start a rental business slash family compound as a way to better secure future generations. Land.com will also help connect you with the right agent that specializes in rural real estate. So enough dreaming about it. Land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space. Hey, here's a simple but very meaningful gift idea for your mom or grandparent who lives across the country. These are great, dude. These are really nice things to give to people. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things they can't be there for, from family vacations to their grandkids' graduation. Let's say your mom comes out. You take a bunch of pictures of your mom with your kids or whatever. When she goes home, you can greet her at home with all those pictures you just took on the frame. And you can also keep her up to date by updating the frame from afar. It's all done online. It's a ton of fun. comes with unlimited storage and simple controls on the frame so you can upload as many photos as you want and mom can pick the perfect one. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, The Strategist, and Wired. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Make sure you use the promo code MEATEATER because for a limited time, you can get $20 off their best-selling frame with that code. The code being MEATEATER. AuraFrames.com, promo code MEATEATER. All right, I've got Mark Haslam. He's out in South Carolina, and we had him earlier this year. Uh, now we're on the opposite side of what the people traditionally think of the rut. Is it is that the case for you, or or what is the rut like in your area, Mark? That's right, Tyler. Um, our our rut activity as far as breeding will start the third week in October. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the Midlands of South Carolina, but that's big portion of South Carolina, Georgia is going to start the third, fourth week in October. Gotcha. So we're looking at pretty far removed from the rut, probably a lot of post rut here. You've been hunting the last week or so. What, what's that all look like for you? Um, right now, most of our deer herd, they are back just pounding food sources, um, whether it's a late season winter food plot um, or if, if maybe there's still some acorns on the ground or trying to hit, hitting some remnants that's left in, in uh, agricultural fields, which 
are all harvested right now. But it's it's getting cold down here finally in the south, and we've gotten a lot of rain, uh, especially this past this past week. Tons of rain with that cold weather. So these deer, they've been out on my cameras earlier in the afternoon and just pounding food sources, which they what they should be doing. Um, you know, they're burning burning more calories right now, the cold. And um, as far as rut activity um, and bucks, we're we're still seeing some 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 fresh grapes and rubs. And you know, that's from my, what my cameras are showing, that's mostly younger bucks, but if you are in an area where you have a lot, a lot of, if the does, doe population is a little out of whack, you might have some does that weren't bred the first cycle or two mm-hmm. that could be cycling back back in. Gotcha. Are, are you seeing time. mature bucks showing up on that food before dark right now or not? Yes. Yeah? Yes, I am. I, I We haven't seen any mature buck rut type behavior they are back um I, i've been running more cameras right now kind of in the season trying to see what you know what we have uh, survey wise because our season ends january 1st and i'm getting some nice up-and-comers and there's a couple of shooters that have made it through the season that are coming out in an hour before uh dark and they, they are just pounding that food probably trying to put some weight back on Sure. Okay. So, and you, you guys have been killing some does, I guess, lately? Yes, we are. We have been trying to hit our management number and we are, I think, on track to have a record year at the farm for, for, for total, total, total does and actually total deer killed. And right now, um, I shot a couple last week and, you know, killing does right now, you've just got to be unpredictable um, because they've been, they've been, deer across the board have been hunted hard in South Carolina since mid-September, if not mid-August. They've seen it all. So I've been concentrating on doe bedding sites um, and some of those bedding sites can shift because right now, we finally have some good frost and most of our leaves are off the ground finally. So, some of the bedding that was there in September, October might have changed by now. Some of those might have opened up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also with it being so cold all of a sudden the south, which we really haven't had so far, they are bedding in some open, you know, open areas, um, old fields, broom sage grass, some, you know, basically to get some cover, but they're within sunlight during the day to, to uh, keep them warm. Sure. So you, you guys, part of this doe, uh, harvest um, and what you what you can probably tell as a listener from this is that you you're pretty intensive about the way you manage this. What are you learning from the doe harvest right now, Tyler? Man, we we are learning all kinds of stuff. We, we uh, last week my father killed um, a 77 pound fawn doe that was bred um, roughly November second. So that was a, a milestone for us. Wow, a fawn doe that was born six months ago reached sexual maturity and she was bred november 2nd so that told us that there's a lot more does that are going in heat um late october or early november than what than we once thought mm-hmm. um that's a very that's a sign of a healthy a healthy doe and right now you know killing does whether you're on public land or private land if you are able to take a doe um it's you can um you know look for that uh reproductive track and you can pick up a very inexpensive fetus scale 
and you can open up and it's, 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 it's created by biologist Joe Hamilton. And it'll tell you pretty, pretty precisely exactly when that doe was bred. So if you can figure that out and you get a couple, a couple samples, like I said, anywhere in the country, as long as the does are about 30, 35 days post breeding, you'll know when they were bred. And then the week prior leading up to that, that's when the bucks are going to be on their feet, chasing on the prowl, waiting for those does to have that receptive window. Gotcha. Gotcha, man. That's good information. So in the next week, would you, would you change anything about what you guys are doing? Are you going to stick with the plan pretty much? We're going to stick with the plan, Tyler. I think rest of the season has to be unpredictable. And I know that's obvious to all the listeners, but you've really got to understand that, you know, this is a, it's a prey predator relationship. They're trying to live and we're trying to fill tags. So they've seen a lot so far this season I'm going to be hunting very tight to bedding, trying to figure out where they're feeding and cutting them off um, at first light. And, you know, keep in mind, especially in the south, we're experiencing some very cold weather, very wet conditions. And the deer should be out um, trying to, you know, feed as much as they can because they're burning a lot more calories. Mm -hmm. So in the next week, if you had to put a number on it for buck movement, let's just talk about bucks. On a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate the buck movement. I would say the buck movement, in my opinion, is going to be about six or seven. All right. And the reason why, I, the reason why I say that is that if, if if someone's hunting smartly, a lot of our hunters, because our season starts so early, they're done. They've already filled the freezer, so to speak. They've shot a buck or two, and we see a lot of hunters across the board just start taking. Uh, tailoring off uh, uh, hunting right now, and, mm-hmm. and there's less people in the woods. Duck season's open, so you know <clears throat> the rut's over for the most part, and these bucks should be up and moving. Just hunt smart, figure out what the, where they're going to be, and get after them. Awesome, dude. Well, thank you for the report, Mark, and we'll be talking to you again next year, I imagine. Absolutely. Thanks, Tyler. All right, on the phone, I've got Anthony Warren. He is a good buddy of mine. He's been on the podcast already once this year. He's been on it a couple times in the last year, and it's because he's just a big buck killer, and he spends a lot of time out in the woods. Anthony, what's been going on, dude? Oh, not much, man. I don't know if I'd be considered a big buck killer, but... uh, You are by me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so you've uh, you've been spending some time in Kentucky, correct? Yes. Yep. So what's the what's the what's the consensus, man? How's the deer movement look out there right now? Yeah, it's. Um, I think we're kind of in a, a slight transition right now. Um, we've kind of been dealing with some some warmer weather, and we just kind of got into the last few days. We've got some real good, crisp, cold weather, um, and so you know it's been it's been slow, but traditionally around this date range, uh, you know, probably the last three or so days and probably the next three or so days, I've actually seen pretty good movement historically. Um, seems like some of these younger, uh, doe fawns are coming into their first estrus. And, um, you know, it seems like if you can be in the woods right now, this time of year, you can generally find, um, you know, some kind of buck activity, you know, still doing some chasing, maybe hitting some scrapes. I've had a lot of historical data around scrapes, uh, right now, just bucks are, really scratching at the last, uh, last few opportunities out there, mm-hmm. um, and kind of really getting back to a, a food pattern. So we're, it's kind of a, a neat time of, of, 
month for um, for me, just looking back historically. And so um, I think uh, right now it's it's been a little slow, but it's, I'm thinking it might pick back up, uh, especially if we can hold some consistently cold temps. Yeah. So, so what's the – you think some of this uh, kind of movement picking up, could you attribute that to less people in the woods? Are you seeing any hunting pressure out there? Yeah, I mean, there's a few factors, um, you know, really – once you hit Thanksgiving, um, at least in my neck of the woods, uh, the hunting pressure kind of drops off significantly. You know, you'll have, you'll have some of the guys that are pretty serious that are still out there grinding. Um, and, uh, for the most part, I think that attributes some, um, you know, some of the movement. I also feel like, um, this time of year, you get a lot of deer who, you know, they just want to get back to food and, and really the does never leave that, but the bucks kind of do. And so mm-hmm. I think, um, you know, the bucks kind of start getting back toward patterns. I feel like you can find some bucks that will just, sh- you know, they've showed, they've showed up and maybe they're, um, they're not necessarily in a historical home range, but they've kind of just ended up somewhere wandering, looking for, you know, the last few opportunities. And generally those are close to food sources. So, um, and then of course, cold temperatures help really, um, especially if you want to get a buck on its feet, um, in daylight this time of year. Um, I feel like the colder, um, the, the weather is the better chance and opportunity you have of seeing those deer, uh, or those bucks up on their feet in daylight. What kind of food sources do you like? Yeah. So this time of year, um, a lot of our ag is picked, but you'll have, uh, you know, a lot of just like, you know, green, uh, like weeds and stuff like that, that'll kind of start popping up in the fields, especially on these sunny days. Um, and the deer will go out and, you know, they'll kind of, um, you know, forage around on that stuff. Um, you know, you might have a few places where there might be, you know, some old standing beans left on the back corner of a field. Usually that kind of stuff I'll key in on. Um, and then, you know, a cornfield, um, you know, really around this time of year, you, you know, the deer might be finding a few, uh, corn kernels. The, uh, the downside of technology is that a lot of these combines have gotten so good about not having a ton of spillage mm-hmm. is that there's really not a whole lot of corn left, uh, for these deer to go pick, but you will see them kind of out, um, out in the fields trying to find any corn kernels, you know, beans that may have been left. And then a lot of it is just kind of like these little weeds that will pop up out in the field. Sure. So, in the next week, does anything change for you, tactically speaking, or, or does anything change for the deer? Yeah, I, I will probably, um, you know, monitor, uh, you know, a camera or two that I have near a scrape just to kind of see, you know, what level of activity, um, you know, that I have. Most of those, most of the scrapes, so they're not going to be like the deep timber scrapes that I would uh, historically hunt near the rut. They would probably be closer toward you know, those food, food sources, um, you know, for me, um, my strategy is really just trying to get between deer and, um, you know, their bed and food. So if I can be, you know, just on the inside of a a corner of a field, um, you know, where I know a good trail is historically, um, or maybe even try to find like, uh, an area where a deer may kind of low for stage before they hit the the big ag ag fields. Mm -hmm. That's really where I want to be. Um, you know, really I'm not hunting a ton of mornings right now, but mornings are good, um, especially as cold as they've been. Um, so if you kind of, if you can formulate a strategy to come in from like the back door 
and, you know, get between that ag and, and, you know, known bedding areas, that's a pretty good strategy, but mainly, mainly if I can just cut them off between where they're bedding and where they're feeding, that's pretty much my main strategy right now. Gotcha. So in that next week, based off of weather or whatever you think you want to, you want to consider in this equation, what do you guess that buck movement will be like on a scale of one to 10, if you had to rate it? Yeah, so it, it's a little tricky. Uh, you know, I would say that if we hold cold temps, um, you know, it's probably going to be somewhere in that four to five range just because they are going to get up and go eat. Um, I would say it could spike to, you know, a six, um, especially if you find like a doe fawn that has come into heat. Um, but I, I'd say it's going to probably be pretty steady at, you know, mid to marginal movement, somewhere around a five. Gotcha. Uh, um like i said a lot of that's going to be influenced by how cold we can we can you know have the temps and uh how hungry the the bucks are after running on it yeah yeah for sure well that's awesome dude thanks for the report appreciate the honesty and uh, all the tips and tactics throughout man and um i hope you go get them this week thanks man i appreciate it those are some great reports i'm glad we got to talk about things like field edge hunting cold fronts cool weather and just killing does because that's what's fun to do in the late season, man. That's a good way to spend a late season afternoon is going out and shooting some does. Um, Greg has a video, y'all, that came out on our Element YouTube channel. That's really cool. He shoots a nice buck on his family property. It's been his family for a long time. Um, and it's just a really cool little video you should go check out on the Element YouTube channel. Subscribe while you're there and you get to see all the updates that happen in the new year from us. Um, also, Shields has a plethora most of the stores have a plethora of first light gear so if you're needing a last minute christmas present go check out the shield stores you can feel and wear and put on the first light try it out and then you can be like hey i need one of these for my friend and maybe even one for myself too if you got the the cashola to do the thing um one last thing i'd say guys is uh you know there is another week of this but we're coming up on Christmas. It, it looks perfect on TV. It looks like, you know, you get a Lexus and your smile is suddenly straight and very white uh, if you're a consumer and you're in the automobile market. Uh, but listen, it's not perfect. You know, nothing's perfect this time of year. In fact, I, there's a high chance that I get in an argument with somebody in my family. It's probably my wife. Uh, over this next few days, I really, really am going to try not to, and I don't want to. Uh, but but it's just not perfect. Nobody has these perfect families that you see. And everybody is putting the good stuff on Instagram. They're not putting the bad stuff on Instagram. And that goes for hunting media too, right? But especially right now around Christmas, I know a lot of people can feel lonely um, and maybe forgotten or, or whatever. Reach out. Reach out to people. And, uh, you know, there, there's somebody out there that'll tell you that, that they love you. And I mean, you can reach out to us, the element, I can't promise I'll see it. We, we get a lot of messages, but if I do, I, I want to, I want you to know, I love you too, man. So, um, appreciate all the people who pay attention to this podcast and to what we do at the element, what Mark does. Um, and we really, I just want to encourage people at this time of year that there's somebody out there that that'll that'll take care of you and that will care for you. And and if you don't feel like that's the case, uh, start reaching out, go to church and, and and try to reach out to somebody within a church organization. I think there's, there's places that you can do it. Don't, don't live this uh, season out alone, but at the same time, understand that the more people you involve in it, the messier we all are. And the more uh, chance there is of us, uh, you know, 
making it not a perfect Lexus-style Christmas ride. Uh, but I just want you guys to know that, um, and I want you to think about that because this is a tough time of year for a lot of people. So if you uh, if you got some old friends or people you need to check on, check on them. Uh, in the meantime, guys, think about the season, the depth of what it, it means for us as humanity, and uh, I appreciate you guys listening. This has been Rut Fresh. Keep it fresh. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.